Well, we've got a lot to do today. Uh, I want to give you a metaphor as we dive into Ephesians 4 that will help you process what's going to happen today. Have you ever enjoyed a meal? Probably too much so, and you're just full, and you're satisfied, and there's a smile on your face, and so you kind of push back from the table, and you're kind of almost nutritionally and with your, you know, everything like still kind of floating in your mouth. You just kind of like savor and process what just happened. Like, man, that was a delicious meal. You ever had that moment? That's kind of what we're going to do today. I'm going to kind of push back from the table a bit, and I'm going to bring some application to the last three or four weeks in which we've been diving into this gold mine, to this buffet of Ephesians 4, especially about spiritual gifts. So it's going to be heavy on application today by design. I'm not avoiding the scriptures. We're going to read some and we're going to be immersed in it, but it's going to be very applicational about what do we do with this now? So just kind of hear that, process that as we walk through this text, which will, in one sense, we're just going to reread what we've been reading for the last three or four weeks. It's Ephesians 4, 4 to 16. I'm doing this because I was kind of nudged this way by the Holy Spirit through some people in our church who, after I preached on verse 11 two weeks ago, just said, Todd, can we take a little pause for a minute and just kind of unpack how this would look in a church? Uh, what, how would it look in our church? What do we do with this, you know, this kind of information or this kind of exhortation? Well, I prayed about it. I just sensed, I think that's a, a, a God idea. So your journals are going to be a little off today. It won't necessarily fit exactly right. It'll start back up again next week perfectly. I went to Travis the day after I preached on verse 11. I said, Travis, could you take the church through verse 16? He said, sure. So normally he was going to do 12, 13, and 14. I would do 15 and 16 this week. That's what your journals lay out. But I said, if you could just take all the way up through 16, that'll leave me a week to just kind of push pause and bring some application because we're getting a lot of what I hope is really good nutritional meals about spiritual gifts. But sometimes you need to push back from the table and just kind of think, okay, what have I just eaten? So we're going to do that today. I'm going to reread 4 to 16, all right? The entire section that Paul discusses spiritual gifts in Ephesians. It's very similar to Romans and 1 Corinthians. We're going to see the three common threads again. And then I'm just going to give you two um, practical, you can call them observations, applications. That's where we're headed today. So let's begin by reading um, 4 to 16. This is the entire section in this chapter that primarily deals with spiritual gifts. He follows the thread of unity, variety, and profitability as he does in every other passage in which he discusses spiritual gifts. Notice again, I'll read you, follow with me, how this happens. Verse 4, Ephesians 4. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Amen, church? It's one God. It's one body. It's one church. He establishes here that unity is, is key. He quickly then moves in verse 7 to the idea of variety even within the unity. Follow along with me. Verse 7, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. 
Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. Notice the plural word there. So variety is in the mix now. A parenthetical phrase begins in verse 9. In saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he had also descended into the lower regions of the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. His authority is established. And so this one who unifies us has the authority to give a variety of gifts. And in verse 11, here's a sampling of the gifts he gave. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers. And why did he give this variety all held together by this unity? For profitability. And Paul uses the word maturity to really describe the profitability of the spiritual gifts here. He says he gave these gifts to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, not immature, not, not children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, not like that, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together. Notice the emphasis there on unity. But now watch this. He brings in variety. By every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly. This makes the body grow or mature so that it builds itself up in love. And this is the complete section that we've looked at for the last three or four weeks in which we've seen unity, variety, and maturity and how to walk in them. And truthfully, the text would show to us that the way to walk in these things is through the avenue of spiritual gifts. So can I just say right at the outset that though we've had different take-home truths, though we've looked at these different themes, these verses individually, we've had some you know, good trips to the buffet, so to speak. In general, here's what these verses are saying when you kind of back out to 30,000 feet, that spiritual gifts are a primary way that God matures the church. And if you just look at verses four to 16, you, you realize, oh, so that's how maturity happens through the variety of spiritual gifts that he gives to a unified body. So will you say this with me? In essence, here's what he's saying. Spiritual gifts are a primary way God matures the church. So in light of that truth, which we've expanded and dissected and unpacked over the last three or four weeks, but in reviewing that truth, I want to make two applications today. I want to push back from the table, maybe rub the belly a bit, take a deep breath and say, man, that, that was some good food. Now, what do I do with this? You know, what exercise, what do I involve myself with now to make good use of this food? Two applications, and they are primarily these. I want to make a passionate appeal to you. And I want to provide you with a possible apparatus. Just hold on to those two kinds of handles. Let me expand on those. First of all, 
I want to make a passionate appeal to you for every gift to be used. I'll say it again to you. I want to make a passionate appeal to you for every gift to be used. This is what Brad Miller said to me moments after preaching verse 11, two weeks ago. There was a meeting folks here and we were actually catching up and talking and he said, Todd, can, can, can you just imagine? And he kind of explained what it was in his heart. And he kind of came back to these words. Can, can you just imagine if, if every gift, if every person, and, and I could sense in Brad's heart just this, this continuing vision of like, you know, there's more for this church. We need to get folks off the sidelines, into the game. Let's disregard the 80-20 idea, right? Let's see if we can just get to 100 people, 100% of people doing all the work. Can we just aim for that? Can we see the spiritual gifts really in operation? That was one of the comments that God used to nudge my heart to just taking a break for a week and talking about how would that happen? In fact, I think Brad could share it with you better than I could. So Brad, will you join me this morning? And just take a few moments and kind of help me make this passionate appeal much like you did to me that morning. Yeah, thanks, Todd. You're, you're a good friend and let me come up here and talk. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, right? <laughs> yeah. So it was two weeks ago as Todd was preaching. Uh, my wife and we, our family sits over here. And the words, what if, just kept rolling through my head. And so I sat there and I looked sideways across the body. And I just kept thinking, what if you all, and I say you all, we're like really utilizing your gifts. And then as that thought was rolling through my head in a, a beautiful uh, seat squirming moment of conviction by the Holy Spirit, uh, God clearly said, Brad, for the last year and a half, you haven't been using your gifts for the body. And I realized, um, and as most of you do, if you are a believer, you, you have at least a gift. Hmm. Uh, most have multiple gifts. I think we just fail to realize or even uh, want to own up to that. And so it was just a very heavy conviction by the Holy Spirit. So that's what prompted me to go just talk to Todd after the service. But I also realized this. Um, I've been given gifts for the benefit of the body. And by not obeying God and using my gifts, I've been robbing the body. And mm. no, the body doesn't need me. The body doesn't need Todd. It doesn't need any of us. But if we are part of the body, we are, in, out of obedience, required to use our gifts Amen. for the benefit of the body. Amen. And so I, I shared this earlier at the first service. I'll share it with you guys. Uh, just a, some, I'm a simple guy. Uh, some really practical, simple ways um, that I'm proceeding with this is simply this. <clears throat> Come early to service, stay late after service, or maybe better yet, just find a way to get plugged in to the body. And this isn't a plug to jump into a ministry, although that's a good way to do it. It's really a plug uh, because of the conviction I felt just to encourage or exhort you all to utilize your gift um, somehow, some way. And if you don't know what it is, that's okay. Just serve anyway. You'll mm. probably find 
through serving how God has gifted you. You'll gravitate towards things you enjoy yeah, that's good. or that bring joy to you. Um, and that's just a good way to start. Yeah, I, I like what he said there at the end, that often we, we focus more on definability than availability. And we've said this in previous years on speaking on this topic, and he just repeated it. If you'll make availability your focus, you'll actually define your gift along the way. You should use the word gravitate. God will steer you. He'll open up opportunities that will fit you and how he's made you and gifted you in the best way possible. But I would not sit in the definability mode until you find the perfect place. Just be available and watch your gift kind of explode. In fact, I think you'd agree with this, Brad. We would say your gift will be most evident in opportunities, not inventories. Like I've taken more inventories than I want to take already, okay? On spiritual gifts. You probably have, right? Mm -hmm. And what Brad's saying to you, the appeal he's making along with me, is look for opportunities and be available and just jump in and watch your gift unpack itself. Anything else you want to add, Brad? Yeah, those gift inventories, those lists, they're not bad things. Mm -hmm. And I think they're actually, there's some benefit to it. But if, it's that, if that's the end mm -hmm. of, of the journey, like, okay, I know what my gift is. I took an inventory. Um, you're, that's, we're just, we're still off, right? So yeah. understand what your gift is, great. But really, the Bible tells us, use the gift. And so um, I appreciated the message. It, it was very convicting. And uh, I just want to share that with you guys. Thank Brad with me, would you? Thank you, buddy. So that's our appeal to you. That's my appeal to you. And I think that's the appeal of your elders, your leaders, is let's see... Uh, every gift in use. Now, when I say that, here's what I don't mean. Here's what we don't mean. Let's see every gift listed in use. That's not even our prerogative. It's not my right to say, I'm going to get that gift. I'm going to go chase, do that. I'm going to. It's God's sovereign prerogative to give the gifts as he deems necessary and as he's fitted to do so with his authority. I'm saying this. I don't mean uh, I'm appealing for every gift listed to be used. That's God's job. I'm saying every gift in here to be used. Now, if God wants to give us every gift, hallelujah. I'm down with that, right? But God has given some gifts to this body. As Brad said, at least one per believer. So could we just say, I want to see every gift here in use and get people off the sidelines out of the shadows, from the corners, into the game, into the mix, and every gift in operation that God has given this body. Man, that would be fantastically, watch this word, supernatural. And see, here's the problem most of us have. We're content with normal, natural church. And I'm not. I'm thirsty, as I told you months ago. I'm thirsty for God to do something supernatural. Amen. Aren't you? The answer to that question is yes. That's not saying he's not doing something supernatural. It's not saying there aren't incredible miracles happening and things going. I'm not saying that. But I'm thirsty to see more of God's gifts given to this body by the Holy Spirit and used among the body to meet needs and seize opportunities and to make much of God. Man, I long for that. I want you to join me in that longing. So I'm making an, a passionate appeal to you that we use every gift in the body. All right? 
If that's you, if you're thinking, oh, I need to get off the sidelines, come out of the shadows, get away from the corners, we'll be available afterwards. You can see someone at Connect Center. It's just a, a simple process of saying, I'm available. And then we'll continue to walk together in opportunities where your gift will emerge and kind of blossom. If you already know kind of how God's gifted you and it's kind of a regular kind of thing that you sense God's anointing on you at times, talk to us. Let's see if we can figure out how that can help the body. We want every gift in use. Amen, church? That's what we're after. Let me make a second application here as we, again, we're pushing back from the table. We're processing all the nutritional nuggets we've eaten for three or four weeks. We've reread the passage. Let me um, offer this to you. In addition to, an, to a passionate appeal, I, I want to give you a possible apparatus that can be used for some of the gifts, and I mean specifically speaking gifts, that are hard to know how do we deploy these. You see, I don't think it's hard to deploy the gift of giving. Now watch me here. Serving, mercy. A lot of these gifts, we call them serving gifts. Man, just look for an opportunity and jump in. And I'm not saying they're unimportant. I'm just saying they're not difficult. God gifts you in the moment. You see a need, you try to meet it. You know, you Venmo someone some money, you write a check, you Apple Pay somebody, you increase your gifts to the church, you help mission agencies, you give to the Afghanistan crisis, the Haiti situation. Uh, there's all kinds of serving ways that you can just help. Those aren't hard in the sense of how to get involved and how to deploy that. But can you admit with me that sometimes when we read about certain speaking gifts, we're not sure what that looks like and how do I go about deploying that gift if, if I don't even know what to do with it. Like prophecy. Like Todd, I don't know if I've even seen prophecy in play and yet I know you believe in it. You've taught us about it multiple times. Like I don't know how to make that. What do I do with that if I think maybe I'm getting a prophetic word from the Lord? Or maybe a word of wisdom. That's a gift mentioned in Romans and 1 Corinthians. Or a word of knowledge. Even teaching. Like Todd, I feel like I've got this uh, gift to teach and how do I implement that at church? So I want to help you just for a moment with a possible apparatus in regards to certain speaking gifts that are hard to deploy. If you're with me so far, just nod your head. Say, okay, I'm tracking with you. I've got a few nods there. I'm going to go with it anyway. I think that these types of gifts, such as word of wisdom, word of knowledge, perhaps teaching, uh, prophecy, tongues, these things, they need two things. They need fences and a freeway. You follow me so far? So I'm going to give you some fences that straight from Scripture. I won't go into all the details about where we find these, but if you want to talk further, and just tap me. We'll get together. I'd love to lay out 1 Corinthians 14 for you. It's one of my favorite chapters, and I think it gives strong credence to our understanding and view of spiritual gifts, especially to fences and freeways. So regarding fences, here are six that I would say should test Every, I'll use the word urging or prompting or nudging that you think, oh, this is from the Holy Spirit and I should share this with someone. And maybe you're going to share it with an individual or maybe you're going to share it with a, with a group at some point. But if you sense, man, the Holy Spirit's leading me, prompting me, nudging me with this information, maybe it's proclamational, maybe it is predictive. I'm going to go there right now. But just a word from the Lord, like what do you do with that? 
I would say these six fences will help you. First of all, ask, is this biblical? Because the Spirit of God will never give you information contrary to the Word of God. Never. It just won't happen. Now, when he does reveal some things to you, that's not on par with the Word of God. The canon's closed, so what he gives you isn't extra scripture. But by the same token, watch this, it is information you didn't previously know. And so in, in, in the rights of the word, God's revealing something to you. And so you're thinking, man, is this from the spirit or, or, you know? And so just the first question is, is it biblical? Does it line up with God's already revealed inspired scripture? So as he reveals things to you, that's not extra scripture, but it's just additional information you didn't know before. You have a first filter. Is this biblical? Is it, is it scriptural? Does it line up with God's previously revealed word? And then ask yourself, is this humble? Because if, if what you're bringing to the table is really just you trying to take a jab at somebody or make a point or platform your view or kind of get your preference out there, if it's kind of a knock against current leadership, if all you're doing is trying to maybe, you know, make a rallying crowd and put your flag in the ground, that's not of the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God will always work through humility. Ask yourself this, is this spiritual? By that we mean, is this from the Spirit? Because church, watch this. There are other spirits in the world and they're trying to deceive you, lead you astray. So don't be afraid to ask, is this from the Holy Spirit of God? Remember, every spirit uh, that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, that's, that's the Holy Spirit. But if they don't confess that, that's not the Holy Spirit. So there are tests of those even. I'm just saying, don't be afraid to ask yourself, is this from the Holy Spirit? Again, one of the ways to test that is ask yourself, what's my motive here? What am I trying to accomplish and a lot of times we're just trying to maybe get back at someone. We're trying to make a Custer's last stand, you know. We're trying to make a gallant effort to get our way in a, in a pseudo-spiritual manner. There's all these things that come into play here. And it's not Holy Spirit-led. It's not humble. It's, even though it may be biblical, you know, your motives are wrong from the get-go. That's not from the Holy Spirit. That's from your carnal flesh. Fourth fence, is this relational? What I mean by that is this, is it aimed towards helping other people? You know, every spiritual gift must edify the body. So if at the end of the day, it's like, man, look how good I am. Isn't this awesome that I thought of this? And, it's, and all the lights are on you. If it's just about you kind of being lifted up and exalted, that's not the Holy Spirit asking you to share a word. So it must be others-centered, relational, it also must be helpful. You know, the scriptures tell us in 1 Corinthians 14 that especially prophecy, um, the end of the day, it's consoling, strengthening, and comforting. So though words could be hard to hear at times, and though there may be difficult things to process, it could be a warning of sorts, like in Agabus's case to Paul, that was gonna happen in Jerusalem uh, in the near future. Though it may be hard to process, at the end of the day, you'll be left edified. Like, wow, I didn't know that. Thank you for sharing. I want you to think that through. And I mean, there is no spiritual gift that leaves someone crushed under the weight of legalism on the floor. That doesn't exist. Every spiritual gift will, at the end of the day, edify, build up, strengthen the body. If that's not the end game, if that's not happening, then it's not from the Holy Spirit. 
You're just trying again to get a jab on somebody, dig in somewhere, kind of get one up on someone. And then lastly, here's a good fence for you, is this accountable. This is why I say the gift of teaching fits under this kind of um, category where there's fences and freeways because no teacher's a rogue authority. In fact, no teacher has authority outside of God's authority. And so whether it's teaching, whether it's prophecy, I would say tongues, there has to be an accountability. With tongues, it's through the translation or we could use the word interpretation. That's what the scriptures use. In fact, just process this. I won't spend long here. In fact, I'll spend just this one sentence, but uh, and we can disagree on this. I have no problem with that. But personally, the Bible does say this, that uninterpreted tongues have no place when the body gathers. But watch this. And we usually stop there like, hey, okay, so get rid of them. We can't have them. You know, that's probably a little more fear-based than anything. But here's the other side of the coin. If you read 1 Corinthians 14, you find that interpreted tongues serve the same functional process as prophecy. It consoles, edifies, and strengthens. I've often thought, what if in our body someone were to say, I have a word from the Lord and it's in a tongue, a foreign language? My first response in a humble way would be to say, do we have a translation available? And if we don't, I would say, no offense, but that's not going to edify the body. There's no interpretation. It's not, well, there's no way to hold that accountable. The same thing is true for prophecy, which is why... In 1 Corinthians 14, he talks about how the prophets, their spirit is subject to the other prophets. There's this humble spirit about prophets. And when they sense a word from the Lord, they say, hey, is, is this what, what you're sensing as well? Like they don't just say, hey, I got an announcement. Got it from God. Everybody listen. This is the word. That never happens. There's always a sense of like letting the other prophets lean in and weigh in. There's even requirements on how many can share when the church gathers. One at a time. No more than two or three. So what you sense is like, hey, there's a process of a hearing and weighing. In the Thessalonians, we're told to bring those things to the elders so they can weigh them and discern them. So what you really find in Scripture with these certain speaking gifts is there's an accountability. No one's a lone ranger, you know, like the Pope, just blurting out, I got the new word from God that isn't in the Bible. We have the word from God. Amen. Amen, church? And then as God leads us in obedience to it and applying it in specific ways, perhaps through information that we just didn't have before, we bring that to those who are our church leaders and we say, would you weigh in on this? What are your thoughts about this? I've ran it through the fences. I feel like, man, we're in good shape. We're meeting the parameters. All the filters are good. But I just like to hear what our leaders say. And that's really the, the apparatus that needs to happen in church. What typically happens is we're so afraid of misuse, we ban any potential use. But Paul never did that. Paul never banned the spiritual gifts because of potential misuse. He said, can I correct you so that you use it rightly? He steered them towards correct use. And this is one possible apparatus that we can use, these fences. And if you sense, first of all, that, that everything's in line, then here's what I would say to you. Step out and share. Typically, what we do is this. We say, well, you know, that's probably the Lord, but I'm just going to hold back. And we're fearful and so avoided. I'm actually appealing to you to be faithful and obey it. Because here's what happens. George, hear my heart on this. Just listen in with every ear and every eye. 
the longer a church operates with, I'm afraid of that and I'll avoid it, they'll only experience church on natural terms. It'll be a normal organization. But when there is faith that God does gift his church in supernatural ways, let's be faithful and just obey him. And we share with fences and freeways in mind, suddenly what we find is a supernatural organism. And we find things occurring and God leading in ways that we can't quite explain. God meeting needs and creating opportunities for his glory that we could never have organized ourselves into. That's what I'm longing for. Amen? Is the supernatural body of Christ doing what only it can do. The primary way or a primary way that happens is through spiritual gifts. So there's a set of them that are somewhat easy to deploy. But then there's a few of them that are harder. And so this apparatus helps with those. Now, you say, well, Todd, if I am convinced that it's in these fences, and I step out on share, is there a way to do that? This is where the word freeway comes into play. I think the best way to share what you sense God is really laying on your heart, whether it be a word of wisdom, uh, a prophecy, a word of knowledge, or some teaching, if you're... Is first of all, if, even if it's individual, it could be individual or corporate, but when, when you're convinced, like, I think this is the Lord nudging me to share this, I would start in one lane and just kind of see yourself merging onto the freeway into multiple lanes. So it's kind of an on-ramp. When I say start with one lane, just share it with one person who is spiritually um, maybe in leadership over you. Your small group leader, your elders, your deacons, and staff members say, hey, here's what I've been hearing. How do you hear this? And can I just kind of lay this before you? Maybe they could take it to the elders on your behalf, or you could just come to the elders at some point and say, hey, I've been hearing this for days or weeks, and I'm not sure what to make of it, but it sounds like, you know, this is what God's saying. What do you think of that? So do you hear that okay? I, I, I word it like this. Start personal before you go public. This is part of those fences in the multitude of counselors or safety. And so I'm not at all denying that God could lead either in a predictive way or proclamational way our people with information that maybe we have not had. But I don't think he's gonna do that in a way that seems rogue or outside of the leadership structure of his body. And so I think this fits the epistles. And I wanna encourage you, as you're testing these specific gifts with fences and you're thinking about what is the freeway, just do it one lane at a time. If you're still with me, nod your head, would you? Okay, again, here's why I think this matters because I don't think we struggle a lot with gifts like mercy, giving, serving, uh, leadership. I think there, we just find ways to, to uh, deploy those. We see needs, opportunities, we jump in and God gifts us and we're like, yeah, this is, this is beautiful. God's working. But on certain gifts that, especially in our tradition, a little baptistic, somewhat cranial, you know, we're like, oh, how would that work? And I'm just bringing to you a, a possible apparatus so that you don't actually end up like a functional cessationist. While you mouth off, like, oh, I believe in all the gifts. Really? So this just helps us think about what would it look like in a church gathering, in a church body, if God were to move and gift us with these gifts. That's why I say when you work the fences and commit to the freeways, then step out and share. Now you may think, Todd, what gives you the authority to say that? Two verses. I hope these hit you right 
between your eyes. 1 Corinthians 14.1, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. 1 Corinthians 12.31, earnestly desire the higher gifts. Higher there refers to the ranking of gifts that are the most helpful in the church. And in all factual honesty, the most helpful gift in a church, the one most mentioned in the New Testament is prophecy. And yet it's the one that we have the least amount of experience and knowledge about. How do you deploy that? So that's what this is for. But I am not for a second going to back away and say, ah, let's just avoid them. I'm actually going to push you to pursue spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Because God gifts his body. And my passion appeal to use every gift is joined by this possible apparatus so that we don't just continue to embrace only certain gifts that we've figured out, but they're willing to just be open to however God would lead us and gift us and then use every one that he gifts this body. You say, Todd, what would it look like if that occurred? Let me close by reading you this email from one of our members. I got this the day after I preached on verse 11. This is, again, one of those nudges that prompted me to take this pause to kind of push back from the table, rub our belly and think, man, it's been some good eating for three or four weeks, but how can I apply this? Here's what she said, and I'm so thankful. This is a pretty weighty email, but hear this. A lady in our church, a member, she says, I found your sermon extremely impactful and groundbreaking in my life. I've been fearful of sharing my words from the Lord in fear that I would be viewed as crazy. So I think she's referring to moments that she sensed maybe a prophecy gift. And she's just, I, for years, I've not known what to do with that. She tells a few stories in here, but she says, mainly my insights have just been basic or there've been words of encouragement or affirmation through a prodding from the spirit individually. So I sense like a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, maybe exhortation. Probably these gifts were used in the moment of just meeting needs and seizing opportunities. She didn't probably go and say, okay, I need to find someone who needs a word of wisdom today. She probably saw an opportunity and was available to be used and then began to help. And God gifted her in that moment with a word of wisdom. But then she says this. There was a time though that really weighs on my soul. It's when he told me through the spirit one night that I was supposed to tell a couple that God had heard their prayers and they would be given a child within the year. Now remember, she works in this ministry and this industry as her job as well. So she has a relationship with this couple. There's context here. It wasn't like a stranger just said, hey, by the way, just got news for you. That's not what's happening. There's relationship. There's a runway. She's in with them already. And she sensed God was, was telling her to tell them they would have a child within the year. But she said, I was so afraid to obey, and so I did not do that. God weighed on me that I was to tell them this so that they would be encouraged and that they would know that he sees them and hears their prayers. But I was more afraid that they would think I was crazy or spiritually misdirected. And so I didn't tell them. But God did what he said he would do. He did the very thing he told me he would do. And they had a child within the year. She explains how she felt in the moment. Then she comes to this. She goes, sitting in the service yesterday, speaking of that day I preached through verse 11, she goes, I finally felt home. Now, what does she mean by that? What she's saying is a place where we're not encouraging disuse, 
because of potential misuse, but instead we're saying, let's just use it correctly. Let's embrace that God does speak to his people in line with his word. She said, I felt at home. Like I was with people where I didn't need to ignore my God or run away from his leading. Isn't that precious? That's beautiful. That's heavy as a pastor. That's my passion and appeal. Don't run away from spiritual gifts because they're one of the primary ways God matures his church. And yes, there are some gifts that seem like we're not sure how to use them, how to deploy them. But here's a possible apparatus. And who knows if in the end, God would use these very gifts to grow our church, to mature us, so that when lost people see this body of Christ in action, they would say, truly, God is among you. Amen. Man. So I'm asking you to join me in this commitment. I'll show it to you on the screen. This is my passionate appeal in simple words. I'll be available for opportunities and will use whatever gift God gives me to help our church mature. If it's a speaking gift that's different than what you've ever known, I've given you a possible apparatus to use to test it and to perhaps get it in front of the right people. If it's giving, mercy, serving, leadership, those aren't quite as difficult, go for it. Will you just say, I'm available. I'll help in opportunities and I'll watch God gift us and we'll all be in. Nobody on the sidelines, everybody in the game. Amen, church? That's what we're after. Will you join me in the game? We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more messages, visit firstfamily.church forward slash sermons or subscribe to our podcast feed. Thanks for listening.